Judge not that you be not judged. Seven words. And I've often heard that statement given as a conversation stopper when you start delving into doctrine and lifestyle choices. Is that what Jesus meant? Find out on this episode of Revealing the True Light. There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. We are going to focus on one of the most misapplied and misinterpreted passages of Scripture out of the entire Bible. It's from the teachings of Jesus, actually from the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous presentations. And Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 is where we find it. It starts out, Judge not that you be not judged. Just seven words. And then he elaborates. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. How often I've been in conversations with people of various religions, non-Christian religions, Hindus, Buddhists, even Muslims, Jainists, and people that are not religious at all. And when I touch on something concerning a lifestyle choice that they disagree with, that is a biblical standard, or a doctrine that they disagree with that is a biblical standard, quite often they'll come back with that statement, judge not that you be not judged, as if they are dismissing the idea that I should even offer an opposing idea to what their belief system promotes. Is that what Jesus meant? Did he say that we should not judge anyone? Was he implying that we should not judge anyone for any choices they make in their lifestyle? Is there no standard to live by? Of course, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I believe in the biblical standard. And that's my litmus test for behavior. That's my litmus test for beliefs. If it's in the Bible, I embrace it. I understand not everyone comes from that perspective. But let me continue with the passage. Whether you agree with a biblical worldview or not is not really my focus right now. Of course, I want you to become a follower of Jesus. But even if you follow another belief system, I want you to see that's not what Jesus really communicated. Listen to verses 3 through 6 that follow that statement. See, the way to understand anything scripturally is to read it in context. And then when you see the surrounding verses and the surrounding ideas and environment in which that was presented, then you get a full view of what's being communicated. So Jesus went on to say, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank, a plank, um, a two by four, eight foot long in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck from your eye? There's a 
tiny little speck there. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, now listen closely to this. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So he wasn't saying not to do that. He was saying deal with yourself first. Get your own character right first. Get your own doctrine right first. And then you have the right perspective to try and help others find the answers in their lives, the answers to what they believe and how they should live. Let's go a little bit further on this, because if you take the Bible as a whole, if you take the New Testament as a whole, it does not teach the idea or promote the idea that you and I should never judge anyone over their behavior or their belief system. Listen to what happened when Jesus was having a confrontation with uh, some Jewish authorities that were upset with him. Enraged would be a better word because he had healed someone on the Sabbath day. And they were so furiously committed to keeping the Sabbath day holy that they extended it beyond whatever God said in the book of Exodus to all kinds of ideas that were really uh, written by man, not by God. But anyway, uh, they condemned Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath day. And Jesus responded to them and said, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So here, he does not say to you and I, judge not that you be not judged. He says, if you're going to judge, judge with righteous judgment. Well, what does that mean? The word righteous comes from an original word that means straight with God or straight and upright. In other words, it's a correct view of the way things really are, seeing it from every angle. And when he said to judge with righteous judgment, it means take everything into consideration. Yes, there's a law concerning the Sabbath day and not working, but is healing the sick by the proclamation of a prayer actually work? And isn't it more important that uh, a person be healed than the strict observance of the Sabbath? See, he was saying, take all of these things into consideration. And then he also talked about how if they had an ox in a ditch, they would rescue that ox from the ditch, even if it was the Sabbath because that ox might perish otherwise. And so you have to take everything into consideration, weigh it out with logic and love and divine inspiration, and then make your choice, make your decision. That's righteous judgment. Weighing every decision and every belief against the Word of God is a great deal of what's important to do in finding the right belief system, but also take every other thing into consideration. Like if you're going to uh, analyze a person's behavior, 
Maybe someone is a very angry person all the time. If you're going to judge righteously, you may need to take into consideration, say, for example, that that person was raised in a very abusive environment and was continually uh, subjected to violence as a child. And so there's an overflow of that. That doesn't mean the behavior is acceptable, but it means it's understandable. And it means that we have to deal with that person in a merciful and gracious and grace-giving way in order to help them find a better way of living. So righteous judgment, again, let me emphasize, takes everything into consideration. We don't want to be judgmental people, though. The very idea of being judgmental means nitpicky and critical over unimportant, non-essential things. And a lot of times, religious people tend to be judgmental. And the ones that would be most against the idea of judging others by biblical standards sometimes get just as angry because of a New Age point of view against anything Christian that would oppose their New Age point of view. So we've all got to deal with their attitudes, love one another, respect one another, even if we have differing opinions. But that doesn't mean we compromise on what we believe is true. Now let me take you to another New Testament scripture that very clearly shows that we should be judging. And we need to understand what judgment is. To judge has a number of different meanings. Let me insert this before we go to the other scripture. Number one, to judge can simply mean to form an opinion. For instance, I form an opinion about what I'm going to eat each day. I judge what will be healthy for my body. That's a judgment. It means to form an opinion. Number two, it can mean to make a careful guess. Like I could say, well, I judge the distance from here to the YMCA to be about two miles. That's an educated and careful guess. Number three, a judgment can be to decide something or proclaim something authoritatively, to pass judgment on a certain issue and determine an outcome like a presiding magistrate might judge that a thief is guilty of a crime and worthy of incarceration for a certain amount of time in prison. Uh, To act as a judge means to pass judgment and determine an outcome, therefore. So, we don't always function according to the third level because it's not my place to determine the outcome in a person's life. That's God's place. And that level of judgment belongs to him. But for you and I to form opinions about a whole range of things every day is part of being a human being. And to make careful and calculated estimations on what is right and what is wrong with regard to behavior choices, and belief system choices. Well, that's part of this journey too. We're all called to judge in number one and number two. Now, number three, you're moving up to a level that belongs to God. Now, let me uh, take you to a very powerful scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, 
the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now listen closely. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Listen to this next verse now, verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Whoa, that just blows that argument out of the water, doesn't it? He who is spiritual judges all things. So there's a requirement if you're going to move on a certain level of judgment, judging belief systems, judging lifestyle choices, then to do it properly and to do it with the right spirit, the right attitude, and the right kind of results, you need to be a spiritual person. Well, biblically, what does that mean? The word natural there, of course, refers to the human side of our nature, the lower nature, some call it, the carnal nature it's referred to in Scripture as. But the word that is translated natural there is psychikos, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. And that comes from the word suke, P-S-U-C-H-E, that is translated soul. So a natural man, a sukikos man, is a soul-controlled, a soul-driven man. Tuck that away in your thinking now. But the word spiritual in the Greek is pneumatikos, P-N-E-U-M-A-T-I-K-O-S, pneumatikos. And that stems from the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, that is translated spirit. See, according to the Bible, human beings are tripartite. They have three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And each one of those three parts has three functions. The body is made up of, or or the flesh is made up, uh, the body is made up of flesh, bones, and blood. The soul is made up of mind, will, and emotions. And the spirit is made up of three primary functions, and that's communion with God, revelation from God, and conscience. Now, before a person is born again, two of those functions are non-functional. You do not have communion with God, and you normally do not receive revelation from God unless he initiates the process for some reason. He breaks through the barrier and reveals himself like he did with Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road. He just revealed himself to Saul. But normally those two parts of a person's spirit being are dead in trespasses and sins. The only thing that's barely functional is the conscience. But when you're born again, the word again comes from a Greek word, anathen, that means from above. When you're born again, you're born from above, and a new spirit is placed in you. According to Ezekiel chapter 36, God said, I will put a new spirit in you, I will put my spirit in you, and I will give you a new heart. And that's what happens. So a born-again person has an activated spirit. All of a sudden, at the moment of this new birth, and I hope you receive it if it's never happened to you. Just accept Jesus as Lord in your life and receive him into your heart. And all of a sudden you are connected with the Father just because he's connected with the Father. God sends forth the Spirit of his Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. 
And that line of communication is opened up and you start receiving revelation from God and your conscience is purged from dead works to serve the living God. Then if you really walk in it as a discipled and consecrated person, you move up to the realm of a spiritual person because you're a spirit-led person, not a soul-driven person. A natural man can't receive the things of God, and a natural man can't judge correctly because he's driven by a faulty intellect, he's driven by unpredictable emotions, and a weak will that is constantly submitting to the lower nature to one degree or another. That person can't judge correctly because they're natural, not spiritual. And of course, again, the Greek words are psuchikos or pneumaticos. But when you're born again, your spirit is renewed, refreshed, restored, revived. You become a spirit-led person whose spirit is infused with God's spirit. And then you have the right perspective so that you can judge And of course, you grow in this over a period of years. You grow in maturity in Christ, but you can more effectively, more correctly judge correct doctrine as opposed to incorrect doctrine and correct lifestyle choices as opposed to those that are wrong. And so the answer is not refusing to judge anyone or anything, and I'm just going to become a passive person and never offer an opinion. That's not the answer. The answer is getting so close to Jesus that when you make a judgment, it's identical to the judgment he would make if he was in the same circumstance. Let me give you one last scripture, and then I'm going to go. Uh, This is just an absolutely amazing projection into the future. The Bible talks about a millennial age, a messianic age, where Jesus is going to rule on this planet. He's going to install the government of God, the kingdom of God here, fully manifested. And when he does... The born-again, resurrected believers in Jesus will be rulers throughout the world and throughout his kingdom. And the scripture says this, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Wow, what a projection about the future. Those who walk with God in this life, in the future kingdom, will judge the nations and judge angels. Now, I believe that application brings us to another definition of the word judge. And that means to preside over in authority. Primarily, I believe that's the meaning of this passage, that we will preside in authority, God-given authority, over a restored paradise world. And even the angels will be subject to the sons and daughters of God. So there you have it. Judge not that you be not judged. What did Jesus really mean? I think you just found out. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. 
Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.